Well, good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. Hope you're doing well. Uh, this morning we are in the book of Galatians. Galatians. We're looking at chapter 5, verses uh, 16 through 25 today. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25 is going to be our text this morning. So if you have your copy of God's Word, I'd certainly invite you to turn there. Um, whether you have that on your phone, tablet, you brought a physical copy, whatever it is, we're going to be in the Word this morning, we're going to be looking at the Word, and so I think it's important that you also be in the Word and that you also be looking at the Word as we're working through the text this morning. And, and the, the title of today's message is, What's the Result of Walking in the Spirit? What's the Results of Walking in the Spirit? We'll talk about what that means, but then we're going to look at what are the results of that, which will hopefully lead us and guide us to, to want to be people who are walking in the Spirit. So let's read the text, and then we'll pray, and then we will dive in to the message this morning. Beginning in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this morning and this opportunity to gather together as your church, Lord, to open your word and to hear from you, God. And as we look at your word here this morning, as we think about what it means to be uh, led by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, God, help us to understand that and help us to be a people who walks in the Spirit. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Weight Watchers, that's a, a household name when it comes to dieting and weight loss. So similar to ask you, what is a good dieting program? That would probably be one of, the, one of the things that you might think about. Weight Watchers. There's a bunch of other ones out there, but, but Weight Watchers is not uh, a, a, a fad diet. You know, it's been around for a while, and it actually does what it advertises it it to do. And while they're pretty good at, at setting the expectations uh, many people have when they, they sign up for Weight Watchers, right? Many people sign up thinking that they're going to lose a ton of weight in a short period of time. But if you actually dig around on Weight Watchers website a little bit, as I did in preparation for you know, the, the introduction of this message, you would see that they tell you, they clearly point out, look, you're not going to lose like 10, 15 pounds in one week. It's going to take a while. You can expect to lose like one to two, maybe three pounds a week. 
And hearing that, you're probably like, I don't know if I want to be on a diet for, you know, months and months and months and months in order to lose the weight that I want to lose. But this is the promise that they they give you. If you closely follow the program, you can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. And that's not a lot when it comes to, you know, every single week, you know, but, but over time, those pounds begin to add up so that over the course of, of several months, I mean, you've lost, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds, and maybe you are well on your way to hitting your target, or maybe you have hit your target. And like other diets uh, that actually work, Weight Watchers, as I've pointed out here, is not a quick fix. It is something that we have to commit to daily. And if you commit to doing those things daily, well, you're going to see the results. If you don't, then you're not going to see those results. Now, in the same way, we as Christians must commit to daily activities as well. And one of those daily activities that we need to commit to is walking in the Spirit. And the same thing happens, right? If we commit to daily walking in the Spirit, we're going to see some results. And if we don't commit to doing that, well, we're not going to see those results. And so why is that? Why do we need to commit to daily walking in the Spirit to see results in the Christian life? And then what are the results that we can expect to see in the Christian life if we are going to, if we commit to daily walking in the Spirit? Why should we do that? Why should we daily commit to walking in the Spirit? Well, these are the questions that we're going to answer this morning. But before we get to the results, because I know that's what everybody wants to know, right? What are the results? Why should I do this? What results are going to happen? We need to know, why should we walk in the Spirit? Last time we were in the book of Galatians, we looked at the topic of Christian freedom. We learned that Christ has set us free, set us free from sin, Satan, and the condemnation of the law, which ultimately leads to God's wrath being poured out on our life and us experiencing punishment for all of eternity, right? Jesus has come and he has set us free from those things. For those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior are free from those things. And as Christians, we are to live in our newfound freedom in Christ instead of running back into slavery or or using our freedom as an opportunity to sin. In short, we learn that, that Christian freedom is freedom to live unto God. It is, it is freedom to enjoy God for who He is. It is freedom to live in all the glorious joys God won for us through His sacrificial death on the cross. Now with that in mind, Paul now moves in his argument to talk about walking in the Spirit. And you're going to see the connection here in just a moment. Look at verse 16 with me. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so God's word reveals that that one one of the major ways that we can live out our newfound freedom in Christ is by walking in the Spirit. You see, if we walk in the Spirit, then we are not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. We're not going to run back into that sinful lifestyle that we once lived. We're going to continue to live for God. We're going to have God leading and, and guiding us. And so we must walk in the Spirit so that, we do not desi- so that we do not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what, is that, what does that mean? What, what, what does the flesh want to accomplish? Well, when we think about this term flesh, uh, here's what one commentator says. The flesh is that aspect of human nature which is characterized by or reflects typical human reasoning and desires in contrast with those aspects of human thought 
and behavior which relate to God and the spiritual life. In short, we can say that, that, the, that the flesh is opposed to all of the things of God. The flesh desires to do things its own way. The flesh desires the things of the world, not the things of God. The flesh rejects the things of God for the things of the world. It seeks to please self instead of seeking to please God. When we walk in the Spirit... We actually live for God instead of rebelling against God. And so walking in the Spirit and Christian freedom, then we see, go hand in hand. It's a way for us to experience the freedom that we have in Christ. And so here's the point. If we are going to live out our freedom in Christ, we must be a people who walk in the Spirit. If we don't walk in the Spirit, well, we're going to end up gratifying the desires of the flesh. It says, this text tells us. We end up accomplishing that which the flesh wants us to accomplish instead of accomplishing that which God wants us to accomplish. And you know, that's no way for a Christian to live. You see, if you call yourself a Christian, if you say that you are a follower of Jesus, then your desires should have changed. Your desires should be for the things of God, and you should desire to live for God, not desire to live for the things of the world. And so, how do we do that? Well, we live out our freedom in Christ by walking according to the Spirit. And when we do that, we will live in the way that God has purpose for us to live. We will live according to God's will. And so that's why. That's why we should walk in the Spirit, so that we can live in our new freedom in Christ. That's why we should walk in the Spirit. So let's answer the what question. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, the subdivision that I live in, there they're adding this additional phase. This is an additional street, and they call it Hidden Creek 3. And this is the name of the phase. June 26, you can pick out your lot if you would like to do that and you know, become our neighbors over there. It would be awesome if, you, if, you, if anybody's interested. But the developers, they were on the news the other day, and, and they were talking about this new development. They were highlighting some of the features of, of the new development. And, and one of the features that they were highlighting was this walking path that they were going to put in this, the neighborhood. They're going to put this walking path in that it walks you through the neighborhood. It walks you around the pond that they're going to put in there as well. And, and walking paths, you, you think, well, small. It's a small addition, but, but walking paths can make a big difference, especially when it comes to people getting out and enjoying the outside and exercising. Many people trust that, that a walking path is going to guide them safely through their neighborhood. You don't have to worry about cars, and you don't have to worry about your kids running out in the street or anything like that. Uh, they also provide you with, with purpose and in direction, right? You aren't walking aimlessly around your neighborhood, across the street and over here, and wandering, zigzagging all over the place. You have a purpose. You have a direction that you are walking on. Now, walking in the Spirit is, is similar, right? Well, one commentator defines walking in the Spirit in this way. In Paul's vocabulary, to walk in the Spirit or to be led by the Spirit means to go where the Spirit is going, to listen to His voice, to discern His will, to follow His guidance. Walking in the Spirit, then, is like walking on that walking path in your neighborhood. It involves this deep trust in God, the Spirit, to lead and to guide us around according to His will. 
It doesn't involve us walking aimlessly through life. No, we, we walk through life with purpose and we walk through life with direction as we listen to God's will. And that sounds good, right? You're like, okay, I want purpose. I want direction. I want, I want, I want a safety. I want to, to trust in the Lord. I don't want to walk aimlessly through life. I, I want a direction with my life. I want some sort of identity. This sounds great. This is why I came to faith in Christ. Now you're thinking, well, how do I do this? How do I do this each and every single day? How can we walk in the Spirit? Well, thinking about that question, I want you to see first that, that Paul's command is not only an imperative, right? It's just a command. It is a present active imperative. Now, an imperative simply is just a command, and the present active nature of the command reveals that it is something that we must continually do, right? He's not just saying do this once. It's something that you continually do. Think about your, your house. If you want your yard to look good, you, you can't just buy your house, move in, you know, the first week, you get out all your lawn equipment, you go out there, you cut the grass, you cut back all the hedges, you plant some flowers and all of that stuff, and you, and you step back and you look and you say, man, this yard looks great. It looks amazing. And then, like, for the next decade, you don't do anything, right? It's, your yard is not going to look like the day it looked when you moved in. No, what do you have to do? Every single week, especially now with a lot of rain, a lot of sunshine, right? Every single week, you got to get out there. You got to pull out all the lawn equipment. You got to mow the grass. You got to make sure that you're putting out all of the fertilizer and weed killer. And then you still got to get out there and pull all these weeds up and, you know, all of that stuff. If you want a nice yard, you have to constantly maintain that yard. You have to continually work at that yard. And that's the same when it comes to walking in the Spirit. Right? Walking in the Spirit is not a one-time activity. Instead, it's something that we must continually do. And that idea leads into the second thing I want you to see, and that is that Paul's command is not a passive command, meaning that, that the Spirit doesn't walk on us. Right? We walk in the Spirit. Which means that, that walking in the Spirit isn't something that just happens automatically. Instead, we must get up every single day and we must purpose to walk in the Spirit. Again, we walk in the Spirit by leaning on, by depending on, by listening to the Spirit. And as we do those things, the Spirit guides us and the Spirit leads us and the Spirit directs us. But it's not this automatic thing. We've got to get up and purpose to walk in the Spirit that day. And listening to the Spirit is not this mystical thing that happens, right? It's not, it's not like we're just sitting around in some trance waiting for the Spirit to speak to us. We're not listening for this audible voice that, that's going to come down from heaven and say, you need to do this with your life. You need to do this today with your day. That's, that's not how that, that takes place, right? We hear the Spirit through the Word of God. And that makes sense because one of the ways that that the Spirit would speak is through His Word because the Spirit is an author of the Word. In, second, in Paul's second letter to Timothy, we learn in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, that, that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped 
for every good work. And then if you turn over to, to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, we read, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now these two passages combine to tell us that the Spirit, in, in a mysterious way, worked along with man to write God's Word. And God's Word says just what God wants His Word to say. Now, he doesn't you know, negate the personality of the author. As you read through this, you see the author's personality coming out in, in the different books that you read through and things like that. Uh, he's not dictating to the author what he should say. He's not put in a trance and just writing out exactly what the Spirit wants to say. But in a mysterious way, the, the Spirit works along with the human author to put here in God's Word exactly what God wants to say to say to us. And this has been preserved down through the centuries so that we can open God's Word today and we can read His Word to us. And it is through the Word that we hear the Spirit and it's through the Word that we are guided by the Spirit. And it makes sense that that is how the Spirit guides us and, and leads us because He is the one who has provided us with the Word. Now, if we take all of that and we apply it to walking in the Spirit, we learn that our daily walk requires us to intake the Word of God. Intaking the Word of God then happens in, in a couple of different ways, right? We can read the Word. And as we read the Word of God, what would it take place? Well, the Spirit is speaking to us. Again, not this audible voice that we are getting from heaven, right? The Spirit is speaking to us through the Word. He is communicating with us through the Word. He is, he is a, helping us to understand His Word and how His Word might apply to our life, how His Word might apply to specific situations that we are facing. He's helping us understand who God is, who we are, who this world is, or what this world is, and, and you know, the, the nature of this world and why we should not follow the things of this world. Rather, we should follow the will of the Lord. But again, we've got to, we've got to read God's Word. Another way that we hear the Spirit work through the Word is, is by studying Scripture. And that can take place on our own. Right? We, can, we can study Scripture. We can not just, not just read it, but, but actually study it, dive into it, figure out what it is saying, what it means. Or that can take place in a group as we gather together with one another in a, in a, in a formal group, like a Bible study or something like that. Or, or maybe just informally as you gather one-to-one -one with, with someone else at, at your house, over your, over your dinner table, or at a coffee shop somewhere where you're just simply reading God's Word and discussing it and talking about it and, and learning from it together. So another way to hear the Spirit is to memorize God's Word. And this is a, a good way to, to hear the Spirit speaking into our life. And to be honest, this is, this is one of the ways in which I, I struggle. My memory is terrible. And it is, it's difficult for me to memorize Scripture. And so this is one that, that I really have to work on it. It's something that I personally need to put in some time and, and work on. But memorizing Scripture is, is really a powerful way in which the Spirit leads and, 
and guides us. You know, I don't, I don't know if this, this happens to you, but, but, if, but as I go about my day, those scriptures that, that I have taken the time, that I have purposed to memorize, I will notice that, that those will, will come up in my mind from time to time as I'm dealing with different situations. And I don't think that's by, by accident, right? I've, I've hidden the Word in my heart, and in, in my mind, and, and now the Spirit is, is using that which is hidden in my heart, that's which, that which I have purposed to intake in me to help inform me how I am to deal with this situation that is in front of me. I don't think that's by accident. The Spirit is using and guiding that. And so if, if we're not memorizing Scripture, if we're not taking the time to do that, then we are missing out on one of the ways in which the Spirit will lead and guide us. We're missing out on one of the ways in which we can walk in the Spirit each and every single day. Still, another way to be guided and directed by the Spirit is to hear the preached Word. You see, as you hear God's Word preached, you learn from God and how He would have you live, among other things. And, and listening to the preached Word is, is important, right? Because there are probably some ideas, there's some teaching, there's some application that you might hear in a sermon that will be different than what you might be able to come up with on your own. Now, that's not to say that, that you should just come and just hear the preached Word and that's it, right? right? You've got to, as we've seen before, you've got to read Scripture. You've got to study Scripture. You've got to memorize Scripture. Hearing the preached Word, I believe, is super important. You know, I'm giving my life to, to preach the Gospel, right? So I believe it's super important. But, but it's not the only way in which we should hear the Word. If that is it, well, you're missing out on a whole other aspect of how the Spirit can lead and guide you. But yet at the same time, hearing the preached Word in the gathered community of God's people, the church, is super important. And if you're not purposing to come to hear the Word preached on a week-to-week -week basis, well, you are really missing out on a way in which the Spirit is purposing to lead and to guide you. And so it's very important that you are attending service regularly so that you're not hindering your ability to walk in the Spirit. Continuing with the theme of worship, we also hear the Spirit when we participate in the Lord's Supper and, and baptism. See, the Lord's Supper and baptism, these are visual acts that, that remind us of our own belief and, and trust in Christ, as well as they should, they should remind us that Jesus is better than anything that this world can offer because Jesus is the one who saves us. Jesus is the one who transforms us. His salvation is not temporary. Jesus' salvation is eternal. All this tells us then that, that one of the major ways that we are guided and directed by the Spirit is our daily walk in, is through His Word. That's not how we are exclusively guided. I mean, certainly the Scripture can, I mean, certainly the Spirit can, can speak to us through different situations in which we find ourselves. The Spirit can come and He can speak to us through different people, right, that, puts, that, that He puts in our life as they speak wisdom and guidance in, into our life. And so it's not that, that we are exclusively guided by the Word of God. There are other means in which the Spirit uses to guide us so that we are walking in the Spirit on a daily basis. But reading the Word, I believe, is one of the primary ways in which He does that. And so how are you doing with that? You know, are you prioritizing times to read God's Word on a daily basis? Are you gathering together with other people? to study God's Word, 
whether that be formally in a Bible study that we offer here at the church or, or informally, or you just gathering some people around you that you know. You know, one of our desires here at the church is, is not only for you to come to service and not only for you to come to the Bible studies that we offer, but if we want to be a church that's going to make disciple-making disciples, one of the ways that we are going to do that is if we begin to see that it is our job to gather together with other people to study God's Word, and we begin to form these, these small communities of, of one-on-one Bible study or, or you know, Three people gathering together and just simply taking a section of Scripture and, and reading it and talking about it that day and talking about how that would apply to your life. You see, you don't have to be some super Christian to disciple somebody else in the faith. I mean, you need to be a believer in Christ and you need to be following Christ and seeking to follow Him. But, but we disciple others not through just our own personal experiences and, and how much knowledge we have. We disciple others as we get, gather together over God's Word. You see, it's, it's God's Word that speaks to us. It's God's Word that transforms us. And it's not us that, that transforms one another. It's God's Word that does that. And we just simply become the conduit by which God speaks to others as, as we use God's Word to do that. That's why, you know, it's important for me to, to preach through books of the Bible and to preach through Scripture, right? You don't, want to, you don't want to hear my opinion. I don't want you to hear my opinion. I want you to hear God's Word and God's opinion. And, and so this is why it's important here at our church that, that we speak through God's Word in our times of Bible study, in our times of, of preaching, and even in our times of song, right? We're, we're selecting songs that are, you know, intimately... You know, putting forth God's Word to you so that when you're singing, you are understanding God's will as well. And so how are you doing with that? How, how are you doing with that? Are you, are you gathering together with people? Are you prioritizing time in the Scriptures? Are you gathering to hear the preached Word and to sing as well? Are you gathering together as a church to, 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 to regularly study together and to see the Spirit moving and working and leading and guiding in one another's lives. If we want to walk in the Spirit, we've got, we got to make some time for those things. We've got to make those a priority in our schedule so that we are doing them on a regular basis. And if we do, if we, if we walk in the Spirit, then what are the results, right? This is what, this is what you're waiting for, right? Well, what am I going to get out of it? I know if I if I spend the time and I spend the money doing the Weight Watchers diet, well, I'm going to lose the weight that I want to lose. If I spend the time and I spend the effort you know, digging into God's Word, coming to worship service, gathering together with other people in Bible study, you know, what is going to be the result? What am I going to get out of this? Well, first thing you're going to get out of it is that you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh but you're going to conquer them. Look at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so here we learn something that, that we may not know, but, but makes sense once we hear it. The Spirit and the flesh are locked in a never-ending battle. 
And that's why living each and every single day according to the Lord's will is, is a difficult thing for us to do, right? If you go out and you purpose, I'm going to live according to the Lord's will, man, it is hard to do. Something is always coming up, something is always tempting us, something is always pulling us back towards the world and away from God. You know, our, our flesh is these sinful desires. They're constantly pulling us back into the kingdom of darkness. And that pulling means that, that we're going to end up doing those things at times that we don't necessarily want to do. We're going to end up at times living contrary to God's law if we're not fighting against the desires of the flesh, if we're not walking in the Spirit. And this experience is what led Paul, who's the writer of Galatians, but also the writer of the letter to the Romans, to say this, So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So he's become a believer. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find that it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Think back to the garden with Cain and Abel. And sin is crouching at the, at the door. And then he goes on, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law that is waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Now Paul has this tricky way of, of writing and using all this language that, that, can be con, that can be confusing at times, right? But, but Paul here, what he's doing is he is relating his own experience with this battle in the flesh. He's telling us that there are times that, man, I desire to live for God, but, but the flesh is pulling me. It's, it's pulling me back to gratifying it rather than gratifying God. And if Paul, the, the man who evangelized and, and planted churches in half of the Roman world, dealt with, with sin's constant pull in his life, we are going to deal with sin's constant pull on our life. Not that Paul is, is someone special, right? But, but he is somebody that, that we look to. He's someone who's written the text, right? He's somebody we might consider a spiritual giant. And we see that, that Paul here is dealing with sin just like you and I are dealing with sin. Everybody deals with sin. Everybody deals with this battle that is going on in their life because there is a war that is waging, that, that is raging within. Every day we wake up, we are stepping on the battlefield of this war. There's not a day that goes by that we don't step on the battlefield of the war, right? The battle is constant. There is no ceasefire that takes place Ever, which means that we can never let our guard down. We can never put our weapons down. We can never stop walking in the Spirit. Look at verse 16 again. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk, remember, present, active, imperative. It is something that we must continually do every single day. And if we walk by the Spirit... Well, there's hope, right? For when we walk by the Spirit, we are told here in this verse that we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. In other words, there is absolutely no chance that the flesh is going to win when we walk by the Spirit. There's a, there's a war that is, that is being waged. 
We are constantly being pulled back and forth, but we have the secret weapon, right? We've got the end-all, be-all for that day. It's God's Word. It's the Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit. And those days that we purpose to walk in the Spirit, we're winning that battle. Those days that we, that we pull back from that and, and, we, and we don't walk in the Spirit, well, those are the days that the flesh are going to win. And if we're a believer, we should desire to walk in the Spirit. Every day that we get up and purpose to allow the Spirit to lead and guide us is a day that we are going to win the battle. But again, it's a battle. We're locked in this war. A war that spans from the time that we become a believer all the way to the time that we are taken home in glory. There's not a day that goes by that this war is not taking place. I'm sure that throughout many of your lifetimes you've seen war and you've seen peace. And you've seen war and peace. War and peace. There is no time of peace in the Christian life until Jesus comes back or we go to heaven as we die. There is no peace. And we must not... We must not fall into the trap of Satan to think that there is peace. To think that, that, that there's ceasefire has been called for that day. That is the enemy coming and lying to us so that he can conquer us for that day. And so we must remember that it is a daily battle that we are locked in. And we must get up every day purposing to do that. And if we do, we will win the war. We'll win the battle for that day. Another result of walking in the Spirit is that we are assured we have escaped the law's condemnation. So look at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. When the, when the text tells us that we are under the law, it means that we are under the law's condemnation. You see, the law requires perfection on our part in order for us to experience salvation through it. But, but here's the thing. We are not, we're not perfect people. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm I know my kids aren't perfect. My wife's not perfect. I'm sure my friends are not perfect. I'm sure none of you are perfect, right? If you were, we were to poll, if you raise your hand and you said you're perfect, well, we need to have discussion afterwards, right? No one is perfect, and nobody can be perfect, but the law requires perfection from us. And even as Christians, we struggle with this sin, and so if we want to, if we wanted to, if, if, if we're going to be out from underneath the law's condemnation, then we have to come to someone else who is perfect. And that perfect person is Jesus. And Jesus has come. He has lived a perfect life. And Jesus, not, not, desire, not, not deserving the punishment that the law would, would, would dole out on those who have sinned against the Lord and rebelled against God, He goes and He takes that punishment on our behalf. And all of those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there's no works that are involved. It is simply a faith and trust that Jesus has taken this punishment on your behalf. We'll experience salvation from the law's condemnation. They'll experience salvation from the Lord's wrath. But as we talked about earlier, we, we sin all the time, right? Like we're, we're constantly pushing back into sin. We're constantly seeking to gratify the desires of the flesh. And as we see sin in our life, we might begin to doubt, well, are we really a believer in Christ? Have we really come to faith in Christ? Because if we have, we, we should be winning the battle. 
In those days that we don't win the battle, we may begin to think, man, I'm not a believer in Christ. I don't know if I have salvation. But when we see ourselves walking in the Spirit, when we see ourselves desiring the things of God and being led and guided by Him and desiring to be led and guided by Him, then we can have assurance that we are not under the law's condemnation. We can have assurance that we are saved in Christ. Now, you can switch that and you can say, well, if I never have a desire to follow the Lord, if I never have a desire to seek His will for my life, if I never have any sort of remorse or repentance for my sin, well, you're probably still under the law's condemnation because there's not been a change in you. There's not been a a change in your heart, a change in your desires. You haven't began to trust in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, because if you do, then you would desire the things of God. You would desire to read His Word. You would desire to gather together with other people. You would desire for for the Spirit to guide you. And so, setbacks from time to time, but seeing a consistent walk in the Spirit in your life, assures you that you're not under the law's condemnation. Never seeing a desire to walk in the Spirit in your life, but yet calling yourself a believer provides you with no assurance. It is the act of us seeing ourselves walking in the Spirit that provides assurance. And as we do that, we can be assured of our salvation. Now we have to ask, well, what are, what are these works of the flesh? What are these things that we might chase after as believers or even as non-believers? Well, he says here in verse 19, we get a list. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so, you see here, we don't have time to to enumerate all of them or define every single one of these, but but we see here some some trends, right? We've got sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, pornography, religion in the form of idolatry and and witchcraft, destructive attitudes, especially those that, that, that come to or hinder relationships. We've got strife and rivalry and anger and jealousy and dissension and divisions and envy, right? All of these hinder a relationship. I don't know any of these things that make a relationship better. They all hinder a relationship. Substance abuse. Chasing after the pleasures of the world with sensuality and impurity. Those who consistently and unrepentantly practice these things have not been saved by Christ. That doesn't mean that we're not going to fall back into them from time to time, right? We are going to fall back into them from time to time. But it does mean that we won't continually do them if we are a believer in Christ. Opposed to these works are are the flesh, are the fruit of the Spirit. And so what are they? In Galatians 5, 22-24, we get another list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And those who are walking in the Spirit, they're going to manifest these fruits in their life. 
right? That doesn't mean that we're going to be amazing at all of them. That doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with them. But it does mean that these will be present in our life to some degree. And as we continue to walk by the Spirit each day, these, these fruit are, are, are the actions and attitudes that should characterize our lives. And so what actions and attitudes characterize your life? Right? Is your daily walk characterized more by the flesh than by the Spirit, or is it characterized by the fruit of the Spirit? If you see yourself constantly running toward the works of the flesh and you consistently exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, or running from, sorry, running from the works of the flesh and you're consistently exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, then you can be assured that you have escaped the law's condemnation. But if the opposite is true, then there is no escaping that. There is no assurance. And you need to go to the Lord and you need to ask Him in prayer, am I really a believer in Christ? You need to go to another brother and sister and you need to sit down and talk with them about what it really means to be a believer in Christ. And you need to come and meet with me and talk with me about what it really need, means to be a believer in Christ if you see yourself constantly running towards the things of the flesh rather than exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. One other result of walking in the Spirit is that we will be a loving community that shines as a bright light for the gospel. Look at the text starting in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You all have, have seen soldiers marching in formation. They all make the same movements at the same time, which makes, which, which makes it look like they're all one unit. And, that, and that's on purpose, right? As soldiers, you are not your own. You, you belong to the military. You are part of a larger military force. And marching in formation is this visual representation of a unified force. And our unity with the Spirit is, is what the biblical author wants us to see here as well. If we are going to live by the Spirit, then we must keep in step with the Spirit. We must carefully align our life and our conduct with the Spirit's will for our life. We must live as He guides us and, and directs us, following His wisdom and not following our own wisdom. We must follow Him and allowing Him to lead and to guide us, not thinking that we know what was right, but following and figuring out what God says is right. When we humbly walk in the Spirit, we can expect to live in a positive, loving community with others. And if we don't, if we get out of step, if we break rank, if we start marching to our own beat, we can expect dysfunctional relationships and a community that injures us instead of builds us up. Walking by the Spirit is not just for our benefit, it is for the benefit of of the body of Christ. It is what allows us to exist as one unit, as one body that is able to be a force for Christ in the world. If we want to push back the darkness, if we want to live as a light for the gospel in Red Oak, if we want to see this church grow and disciple-making disciples made, we must keep in step with the Spirit, letting Him guide and lead us rather than self. I mean, imagine a community where everybody is exhibiting the the fruit of the Spirit, where there is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control being exercised and expressed by everyone in the church on a daily basis. Imagine those being the dominant characteristics of our church. 
Imagine the impact that would be for the kingdom of God in this community here in Red Oak. And if we want to experience a, a loving community and be a force for the gospel in Red Oak, we must keep in step with the Spirit. We must allow Him to lead and guide us each and every single day, never thinking that, that we individually have it all figured out. We must be humble people who wholly depend on the Spirit of God. And so Christians, walk in the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to lead, to guide, to direct. If you daily walk in the Spirit, you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. You will be assured of your salvation, and you will exist as a loving community that shines as a bright light for the Gospel. And who doesn't want that? I know that, that I want that, and I hope that you want that as well. You see, our church has, has much potential we're blessed to exist in a community that is growing. We live in an area that is not completely opposed to the gospel. We have a good location. We've got good facilities. We have a lot of a potential to be a force for the kingdom right here in this community. But it's only potential if each of us doesn't daily purpose to walk in the Spirit. You see, the, ter the, the key to church growth is not flashy programs or, or celebrity pastors. Instead, it is God's people individually, daily deciding that they are going to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And in turn, that is going to make us a community that God can use for His glory to reach people in the community in which we are in right now. And that's how you can respond this morning. You can respond this morning by being a people who purpose to daily walk in the Spirit. And if you're out there and you're saying, well, I don't know the Lord, well, this is an opportunity for you to respond as well. An opportunity for you to seek the Lord so that you're not just aimlessly walking through life with no purpose and no guiding and no direction at all. God has made a way for you to experience salvation through Jesus dying for you on your behalf. You receive your, His Spirit when we do that. And it is His Spirit that will lead and guide and direct you on a daily basis. You can have meaning and purpose and direction in life if you would turn and trust in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior and purpose to be led by the Spirit each and every single day. And so in a moment, Nathan's going to come with the worship team and we're going to sing a song of response. And this is an opportunity for you to respond in one of those two ways. I'll be down here if you'd like to pray or talk or I'll be out back after the service or if you want to gather together this week for coffee or lunch or breakfast or whatever, I'd be happy to, to get together with you and talk more as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this day, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your church, as your community, to open your word, to learn from it, to, to learn that, that it is you that provides us with meaning and purpose. It is you that provides us with direction in our lives, God. Lord, help us to be a church, to be a people who individually, daily decide that they are going to walk in the Spirit. 
And Lord, if there's someone here today or is watching online that doesn't know you, Lord, I ask God that you would work in their life, that you would draw them to yourself, that, that you would help them to see that, that it is Jesus and Jesus alone that provides us with salvation, that it is you and you alone that will direct and guide our lives. And this we pray in Jesus' name.